Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the last episode for this season, but we really want to come back and make more. So if you've liked what you've heard here, please let us know. From Refinery29, this is Strong Opinions Loosely Held. I'm Elisa Kreisinger, and I'm so excited about today's show. I have a love-hate relationship with fashion and style. I used to keep track of my outfits, noting what I wore each day so I wouldn't repeat a look. My high school teachers used to borrow my junior formal and prom dresses to wear to weddings. In college, I made a small side business by doing outfit overhauls for friends and faculty. But that all stopped when I enrolled in my first women's studies class. I know, very stereotypical. But my view evolved. I saw fashion as something frivolous, superficial, and shallow— something that was pushed on women from an early age as a way to keep us in debt. They said I was a valued customer. Now they send me hate mail. Distracted. Florals are taking on much more of a statement. Long nails are having a moment. And really uncomfortable, so we wouldn't rise up and riot. Your feet, your shoes, they hurt so much. But high fashion can hurt. And not to be a Debbie Downer here, but in the age of global warming, fashion and style trends seemed irresponsible. And gluttonous. You're going to start from scratch. In this. Yeah, so let's say goodbye to it all. Let's How about goodbye. that? Yeah. But then I met Christine. It's a gateway drug to finding ourselves in a lot of ways. Christine has changed the way that I think about my style and myself. You know, who doesn't know someone who's gone through a, an amazing transformation where they've changed their hair or moved to a new city or left a relationship that was making them miserable for years and something changes and it's like we we walk through a door and we and we are ready to sort of assume this new version of ourselves that has been waiting to emerge and I think that style is such a catalyst for that. My name is Christine Barbrick, and I'm the global editor-in-chief and co-founder of Refinery29. It's not just about your clothes, but it's about who you are. And, and it's such an extraordinary process to get in there and, you know, go through, take an inventory of your closet, because the things that you put in there, clothes or otherwise, tend to be a reflection of, of your life gender aside, your closet is really, it's your sacred space. And it's where you hide things. It's where you, you know, you treasure things. And I think it has a lot of meaning. So when it's, it's cluttered, or it scares you, you know, you have to address that. Because I feel like that, that sense of disharmony is inevitably going to seep into your life. Gotta face the crap. Internally and externally. The colonic for your closet. It can be a lot of pressure and you're bombarded by a lot of these kinds of ideas and products and new things all the time. It can be really gluttonous almost, can be overwhelming. Totally. In in a world that sells insecurity to yeah. 
own yourself and your your image is a radical act in many ways. Completely. There is nothing more empowering. Feeling grounded in yourself and feeling familiar with yourself and feeling like you, you're rooting for yourself too. You know, this is somebody that I support, that I believe in, that I celebrate. And the choices that you make um, and how you take care of yourself reflect that. Yeah. Um, and that was a really big education for me in my in my mid to late 20s. That was when I really started caring for myself. And it was the first time I ever lived alone. And I remember living in a little studio apartment that I, you know, I, it was my it was my sanctuary. It was so special and so cheap. And I felt safe there and I felt... I felt like I could do anything in that apartment. And that was a reflection of my style. You know, it was the first space that was mine that I could, was completely in control of. And every decision I made and how it looked and how it felt was mine. And there's just nothing more liberating than that. And just going through transitions in your life and how fashion can be an asset during those times, you know, using it as a tool to really help you to find support for yourself, I think is just a, a remarkable a remarkable quality of great clothing. They become these talismans, you know, for our lives. Our outsides definitely are a reflection of our insides and vice versa. And they connect and, and sometimes they're at odds. Anything that I can't like button myself, you know, if it like leaves marks on my body after I take it off, we all have those things. If anything's uncomfortable, throw that shit out. It feels really good because it just makes way for new things to come into your life. And it's not just clothes. It's anything. It's opportunities. It's ideas. It's just, um, it's just space to breathe. I feel a certain responsibility to really support the virtues of fashion because there's so many important, necessary interests in life, you know, passions and and issues that we we all want to support and address and talk about in our lives. And shopping sometimes doesn't factor highly on the list of, you know, important world causes. But it can play a really positive role in people's lives. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I need to be careful sometimes because I I was in debt in my 20s. I had to move back in with my parents because I took a job change when I finally became an editor and I had to take a, a, a pretty significant um, pay cut. And I was living like... I, you know, I was living well beyond my means. And because of that, I finally had to get real and, you know, move in with my parents. So humiliating, you know, when you're 26 years old, you know, it's like you're literally on the verge of, of, of real adulthood. And I was moving back in with my parents and it was a real reality check. And I got out of debt. I paid off all my debt. I'll never be in debt again. And I won't let this seduction of wanting something like a coat or a pair of shoes put me in that in that perilous place because having financial security is really important to me. It's not worth it for, for me for a pair of shoes. My willpower really vacillates. It depends on what, you know, what's going on in my life. You know, if I need some kind of a, a fix, you know, a shopping fix, sometimes, you know, to fill a void, who knows what it is. Or if I genuinely really like something and I want to I wanna buy it and I want to try it. I love how honest you are about fashion or shopping filling a void. How 
How did you develop your personal style? I don't think I developed it. I think it just became something that I was aware of by watching other people and sort of reading and really being intrigued by um, how some women and men carried themselves and the kinds of choices they made and people that just really stood out as being different than what I was used to growing up on Long Island in a really kind of white suburban community. I think when you're younger, you it takes a lot of courage to really break away from your friends, break away from your family, and, and really um, carve out a look or an identity of your own. It, it, I'm not saying it's impossible. Lots of people do it when they're really young, but it's hard. And I think for me, it took a little bit longer. So many other people that I admire have really like just extraordinarily cool and, and, and interesting and unique style. And I feel like I do my best, you know, in, in expressing myself, but I never really include myself in that. Some of the people that whose st- who style I really admire the most just really seem to have a spontaneity about what they wear. And I think that's so awesome. I think it's really palpable. You started a popular hashtag on Instagram called hashtag unstyled. Mm-hmm. How did you start that? I didn't really start it with any kind of great intention, to be perfectly honest, but it was more this idea of of not overthinking things and recognizing that there's a story behind the things that we wear, our histories, you know, our experiences, our hopes and dreams, all those things. And so your podcast is the same name. Yes, we're launching that together. You're yes, helping me, which I'm is really so exciting. And I'm really grateful to you for helping me. I really wanted to create an environment where I could have these conversations with other people who felt the same way about the things that they wear and just find a way to talk about what was happening in the world um, and connect it to fashion so it doesn't feel like it is this trivialized topic. And I love the idea of connecting people's personal histories to the things that they wear. I'm so excited to embark on this journey together with you. Thank you. I'm so happy you're coming along. Unstyled will launch in September, and we've got a great guest list planned. Norma Kamali, Stacey London, Leandra Medine, just to name a few. And they'll all share their stories about life, love, and clothes, showing us why true style isn't frivolous. As for strong opinions loosely held, well, I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard here this season. And we're planning season two now, so please tweet me any episode ideas you may have to popcultpirate. And make sure to use the hashtag S-O-L-H. Our show today was produced by me, Elisa Kreisinger, for Refinery29. It was edited by Caitlin Pierce, and we recorded with Paul Ruest. And we'll see you back here next season.